Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Thibaut. And I'm Ara. Every week, we interview thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. During 30 to 45 minutes, we will deep dive into topics like modern prospection, pipeline management tactics, or innovative sales tools to help you navigate the complex world of B2B sales. We're on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever, yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to know more about our sales training and coaching programs, go to www.saleslabs.io. It's www.saleslabs.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to this LinkedIn Live. So it's actually the first time I have like a proper setup, sorry, with, uh, with LinkedIn Live. So I'm, I'm really happy to have like a super cool guest. So today is Kevin Indig, who's VP SEO and content at G2. And uh, he's, been, you know, he's, he's been super, super kind to actually come on the show and uh, experiment with me on this kind of live. And he's going to talk about content and how you can create content. Um, where, you know, whenever you're like a sales rep or you're just like in a, in a code hiring position or, you know, you just want to create content. And even though you don't really want to have like, a, you know, you're not like a super expert or whatever, we're really going to share that. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me, Thibault. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, su super cool. So Kevin, actually, before we get started, can you maybe introduce you to the audience and uh, tell a bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, I work at a company called G2. Um, I run a content marketing uh, and SEO team or several teams, better said. And for those who don't know, G2 is a, a marketplace for B2B software. Mm -hmm. um, and I joined the company last year in March. Before that, I was at Atlassian, which is also going to be very interesting for the context of our conversation because Atlassian is a um, company that has no outbound sales team. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very, very product driven. G2 is very sales driven. Yeah. Uh, and before that, I uh, worked for Dailymotion, um, a YouTube competitor, uh, yeah. and then have a history on the agency side. So I do have some, uh, actually a lot of history in terms of pitching, pitching, but then also working with different types of company that have different touch points with sales. And I think that's why mm -hmm. I can talk a lot about like how content plays a big role in that. Okay. Okay. I see. And um, you've also like, you, you also are now living in the US, but you're from Germany, right? Yeah, I've been in the U.S. actually for six years already, um, mainly in the Silicon Valley, um, mm -hmm. in Palo Alto, and, but I was born and raised in Germany, so I, I'm like a, a cultural hybrid, if you will. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know a lot of cultural hybrids like that that are in between different, different uh, how to say, different areas, and that's fun because I was watching one of your videos um, where you were, I think, at the family Berlin, and yeah. uh, your accent actually has changed a lot. You sound a lot more American now than, than you sounded before. Thanks, man. You know, it's funny because whenever I go back to Germany uh, for a longer time, it, it completely rips my accent apart. I was actually now, uh, I actually just came back from being in Germany for eight weeks because I spoke at a conference there and then lockdown happened and uh, yeah. I decided to stay with my family a bit. And so now coming back, I slowly find my, my American accent again, but it's, uh, it's always a struggle. Yeah, it's the same for me when I go in Switzerland. I actually, you know, I speak French there and uh, this, I have a way to speak French, you know, uh, abroad, which sounds a lot like a French person. And in Switzerland, they have this accent. And if I stay for two, three weeks, I start having it the same. So it's, uh, <laughs> can totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, adapt. Yeah, exactly. Good. So um, 
Um, I'd be interested to know, so you actually post content regularly on LinkedIn. Uh, you also have like a, all content strategies. So that's your thing, basically. So um, I'd be interested to know what's your, your recipe to actually post good content on LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things. Uh, first of all is the awareness of the power of the internet. And it sounds a bit, uh, a bit fuzzy, so let me explain what I mean by that. Um, there's this traditional or this classic saying that every company is a media company. Mm-hmm. Well, nowadays, actually, every human is a media company as well. If you want to, right? You don't have to, but you have yeah. all the tools you need to broadcast whatever you want out in the world. And you can go to, you know, um, target a broad mass or a very small niche. But mm-hmm. um, either way, you know, you have to, the chance to reach people. And if you play your cards right, you can make a lot of use of that either for your personal brand or for a company and job, most of the time it's actually the same. Mm-hmm. And so my recipe is mostly driven by value. So, um, I mean, I don't really have anything to sell. Like sure. There's maybe some things I want to pitch, but it's not like I make my living off of, uh, selling something online so I can build, um, or my goal is to build a larger following and provide a lot of value. And most of the value comes from my day to day job. So I have a heightened awareness to, you know, to observe problems that I encounter on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found out that most of these problems are also problems that other people have. So by sharing some of my solutions to these problems or just me observing these problems, I can provide a lot of value for people out there. And the cool thing is that, you know, it's not just a sheer kind of following game, but it's also uh, a learning process because mm-hmm. very often I get great responses back of either people having already found a solution or having a different perspective or just people sharing their experience. And usually you get smarter from that. So in the end, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. 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 I think that's the, that's one thing I've seen often is really about building value in your content. Um, and also like having some kind of, of schedule. So do you have like some kind of a, of a content plan that you stick to or are you, you're more like, you know, going whenever you feel, you feel like going. You know, I tried a con- content plan for uh, many years and it was mm-hmm. decently successful. Um, and now I mostly just um, share things on the fly. I do have a, a repository of notes then, uh, though. Mm-hmm. So for example, on my, on my iPhone, whenever I'm, you know, I'm not from my computer uh, and I have an idea, I write that down uh, to be shared on social media. Or when I'm mm-hmm. in a meeting or working on something and I realize, oh, this is actually something that would be very valuable, I write that down. But I yep. don't schedule any tweets or LinkedIn um, uh, notes anymore because I found that a lot of these scheduling tools apparently get um, less reach on social mm-hmm. media. So, for example, I use, um, I'm not going to call any names actually, but there, there's like tons of social scheduling yeah. software out there that I use in the past. Uh, and then I was made aware of uh, that it might decrease your reach. I tried it out and I saw that this is actually true. But however, uh, link, uh, sorry, Twitter just recently, I think in the last couple of days, launched a new feature so that you can schedule your tweets right within Twitter. So mm-hmm. I'm going to see how that goes. Um, however, I want to be, you know, I think you have to be cautious because you can schedule some of those tweets or social shares, but um, you also just want to be part of the conversation in the moment mm-hmm. often. You know, like the, yeah. the way that social media works is that very often it develops a sort of momentum or traction around a certain topic. And that's something that you cannot schedule. That's something that you want to, uh, be part of in the moment. And then mm-hmm. the challenge is to not constantly be on social media because I can waste hours on yeah. end on social media. Yeah. Uh, so I try to find the sweet spot there. I'm not sure if I found it or if it even exists, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of, you know, tension you have to play with. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's one thing with the, the kind of uh, scheduling and batching. I think it is interesting, you know, if you, if you have the, the discipline. But like uh, if you run your content through these kind of scheduling tools, actually the reach reduces. I don't know for what reason. And often, you know, it's uh, working on LinkedIn. You have to uh, drop a few hacks like dropping a comment or being careful about different native videos. Uh, I mean, dropping like links in comments. And so it's not that valuable to go and schedule content uh, this way. So uh, I think it works well. It's like for Facebook, whatever these platforms often are built with that in mind, but they don't really get this, um, you know, this, this, how to say, yeah, for LinkedIn, it doesn't really work. So what I've actually worked, found works really well for me is to have, I use Hootsuite, for example, and uh, there, you know, I will, I will build my content, save it there, and then like copy paste in LinkedIn. I know it's not super optimal, but at least it helps with the, with the reach. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, there, there are many things that you can do. Uh, I, for myself, for example, try to stay within a certain topic at, at different times. Mm -hmm. So I would pick um, at least a week, if not a month, where I would only um, share uh, my views and observations on a specific topic. Like it could be mm -hmm. something like um, keyword research within SEO, or it could be something like, yeah. um, you know, um, uh, personal brand building on social media. And that also creates a sort of consistency that, that helps people to, uh, um, to, to understand that you provide value on an ongoing basis mm -hmm. and potentially follow you as well. Yeah. And so, so uh, we understood that value is super important in this case. Um, do you have any kind of, uh, of tip on, on how to define value? Because I guess it changes for different types of people, your audience. So how do you, would you typically define what is value for them? For sure. I think another uh, word to replace value with is uh, help or support. Mm -hmm. And the best value comes from sharing things that um, either are a bit sensitive or vulnerable mm -hmm. or that other people would ask money for or that has a unique insider perspective. Um, okay. So I try to share things. I mean, I think every mar marketer... Uh, plays with the thought of creating their own course or, 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 you know, like a workshop or something and ask mm -hmm. uh, for money. And whenever I think that a piece of information would be worth charging for, that's when I know it will provide real actual value, like, like real, um, I don't want to say insider tips or secrets, but definitely things that you would at first be hesitant to share. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a good gauge for me to understand if it's valuable or not. Okay. Okay. I see. Okay, and um, because often what I've, I've heard is like a lot of people say, build something that is so valuable that you would need to charge for, but give it for free to test it. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's a good um, way to go about it, depending on what your goals are, right? I think, for example, if you want to start your own business at some point, you know, you, can't, you cannot do that all the time. But uh, especially when we talk in the context of sales and sales reps, I think that would make a ton of sense, right? If you mm -hmm. can... Um, share as much valuable information as you, that you would normally do in a pitch or in a demo uh, and you just share it on social media, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. And that would probably provide a lot of value. For example, um, say like a little walk through the product where you demonstrate one of the, of the, like the, the main features or the core product value, right? Like uh, maybe we take an example, um, let's say uh, Instagram, just to mm -hmm. you know, not pick on any B2B company. Let's say your sales rep for Instagram, which is hypothetical, does that make sense, right? So yeah. one of the core product values would be to just share pictures in an instant, maybe with a little caption. And I think just sharing maybe like a five second video on social media showing or demonstrating that, I think that would be 
like a like a perfect example of something that's very valuable that demonstrates your expertise, establishes your credibility, and it's just interesting for other people to see. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, I see. And um, and so so that's that's one thing. Whenever you have like a good idea of what uh, what content you can provide. Um, but whenever, let's say you're junior rep or you're just very fresh to a new industry, what do you suggest? Because I've seen so many people where they are like a few months in the role and then they go and start posting stuff like they own it, you know, they know everything they, they, they want it and it starts sounding super fake. And so, um, and so often people ask me, how do I post? You know, like I have nothing to say and uh, I, I don't feel credible doing it. So what should I do? The best thing is to join the conversation. Join the conversation. What I mean by that is there is a conversation happening out there on social media. You have, first of all, you have to find what it is. It could be a certain Twitter hashtag. It could be a certain LinkedIn group. Maybe it happens in the comments of um, the post of a known person on LinkedIn or someone with a large mm -hmm. followership. But the conversation is happening. And I mean the conversation around the problem that the product you're selling faces, right? So say, for example, Instagram, right? It's not, it's more of a social network, but let's say it solves the problem of uh, people sharing their uh, lives, right? Or their thoughts mm -hmm. or their pictures or whatever, right? So that conversation is happening and you want to be part of it. And the best way to be part of a conversation is to ask questions, not to have the answer. So if I was a, you know, if, if I was a sales rep or a BDR, SDR, just getting started, I would ask a lot of questions on Twitter and LinkedIn, either in my own posts or in the posts of other people or when it comes to hashtags and just yeah. learn from the people discussing it. Like what are their real problems? How do they go about it? How do they think about it? How big of a problem is it really? Uh, what solutions have they found, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The cool thing is that not only will you uh, slowly build a, a following because people will be interested in those answers as well. You can just simply share the answers as you learn them, right? Mm -hmm. And you come across very humble, very authentic, uh, and, 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 uh, and very helpful, right? And then you slowly, you can then slowly pivot more towards the answers, right? But at the beginning, mm -hmm. I would ask tons of questions, try to join the conversation as much as possible and just learn and soak it up and share what you're learning. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, you know, there's this guy out there called Barry, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, who, who is uh, some sort of a like, marketing influencer, and he has an agency and all that kind of stuff as well. He's uh, a bit controversial. Uh, I think that some of his uh, things are actually very, very valuable. Um, and one of his main models are to document and not to create, right? So just mm -hmm. document your journey in a very authentic way. Document what you learn and the questions and the answers you get for them and you'll be golden. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this thing. Um, uh, documenting, you know, your, your journey, what you're doing, I think is, is super interesting and that's what people are interested in. If you look at like uh, uh, the influencer business on Instagram, for example, like people document their lives they often obviously like they, they show one part of their lives and they kind of stage it but they document that and that's what people are following so i think it's very similar on linkedin um except you want you know it's it, it has to kind of like fit with the audience so that's one thing i think is super important is to target your audience and define it really properly and then you're able to actually see uh understand what you know what's more interesting for them what they're trying to achieve and uh, documenting your, your kind of like journey, trying to answer these questions is something super interesting. And often, uh, one thing I actually always advise people to do is to try to, 
you know, you have, I don't know, whenever you go, you're a new SDR or a new account executive in a company and uh, you get bootcamp, they talk about like the, the product and the use case and, you know, what problem you're solving if you're lucky. But in general, they will talk about the product. So what you have to understand is what, what are the problems they're solving. And then, you know, you say, hey, I got these three to five problems that our solution is solving. I'd love to know what are others problems, you know, you are currently facing. And then you can tag a bunch of people who are, you had conversations with or you want to have conversations with. And often, you know, you're going to be able to create this conversation. And so I think it's, um, that's the first step, basically. It's not like creating uh, a pre like brand new content because often you're going to put like two, three hours in it and like your mom and your, and, you know, and your two friends will like it. And uh, that's, that's cool, but that's not what you want, basically. Yeah, document, create, be a platform, be a source of knowledge and questions. Um, that's, that's what I've seen to, to, to yield the best results. That's what, what, what I've been doing at the beginning. That's what I still do. Mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff that I create, all the content, whether it's for my newsletter, for my blog, or whatever it is, you know, even for this right now, man, I'm just learning. I'm sharing what I learn. I try to be humble and admit that I don't know everything because mm -hmm. nobody does. And the more you pretend to know everything, the, 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 the more fake you come across, right? Yeah. So I think that, that the component of trustworthiness and credibility is super important for sales reps as people become a bit more sales adverse and rather want to figure everything out by themselves instead of talking to a person. If you get the feeling as a prospect or as a lead that the sales rep on the other end of the phone is really just there to answer your questions and it's not going to push you to do something you don't want, the, the better your chances as a sales rep to actually close that deal. Yeah, exactly. And so, so there's, there's one thing around content where a lot of time people say you have to curate content instead of creating content, uh, which I think is, is good. It's part of like the documenting thing, but often it becomes really crowded and you see the same kind of content reused. And so uh, do you have any kind of, of tip on how to curate content without being just like, you know, sharing the same thing as everyone does? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the understanding that most people have of curating content is just to like collect a lot of links and then they Google something for five seconds, mm -hmm. take the first five results and share that. And that's why everybody ends up sharing the same thing. Yeah. But what if, for example, you would share your biggest lessons from a piece of content instead of the content itself, right? Or you, I mean, you can still add the link to it, right? But mm -hmm. how about you focus on what you learned from it or what was new to you or how you interpret it or how you see it play out in your life and in your job? Um, or you could, um, instead of curing it that way, you could just um, summarize the, um, the, the curated links or articles in like a 30-second summary. Like, what, mm -hmm. is, what does it mean? What's behind it? Is it worth reading? Or you could relate it to the problems of your target audience. Right, that we talked about how, you know, as a, as a sales rep, you, you want to deeply understand the problems and motivations of your prospects. So what mm -hmm. do they really want to achieve? And it's not always the actual problem that your product solves. It can also be something as mundane as get a promotion or get a mm -hmm. bonus or get a raise or, you know, get to the, get to the next higher level, a uh, new title or that kind of stuff. So once you understand that, then you want to curate with that context in mind. Mm -hmm. So how does that piece of content relate to your problems or to your target audience's problems? And then you have something unique that's valuable to them and that's not like everybody else's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's really interesting what you said about um, giving your, your point of view or you will actually, and, and you know, and that, that's, that's what everyone, I mean, there's no kind of, 
you can come with a crazy innovative idea but often it's about inspiration from different pieces of content and then you curate that and you give it your own twist your own point of view you know it's maybe like a white paper you've you've, you've actually read and then you're going to do like a three three points video to summarize it and that's you know then people will, will like you you always have to kind of like um quote i mean uh, mention your sources that's super important but whenever you do that then it's um it's great because people see your, your like they see the twist you, you brought, your personality, and you're also providing value and exposure to the person who built this content, which you know, which is super valuable for them. That happened to me a few times where people were resharing my stuff and I was like, wow, feels amazing. And then you know, that's a great way to start conversations. So if you are an SDR and you know, I don't know, there's someone who's super influential in your in your network, uh, and that's typically one of your prospects. You could actually do that, you know, and use some of their content, reshare it, and really show that you've done the work uh, to, 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 to distribute that content. And often people will be so happy to start a conversation with you, and you could potentially build, an, you know, have an opportunity being built for that. So, you know, it's all, it's all about doing things that are hard or things that yeah. don't scale. I often give that advice to the startups that I'm working with. I'm like a, uh, a mentor for startups in the German accelerator, which is the um, the the um, official um, startup program of the German government in the Silicon Valley, and you know that that uh, that advice approaches uh, sorry applies to everything else as well, especially to building a personal brand and using content to stand out. You do things that are not easy. You do things that are hard, mm -hmm. like reading a whole article that's very long and summarizing it into the three core points. Is it takes some work. There's no. Yeah program that will do this well for you but if you put in the work that's something that is harder to replicate and that's something that makes you stick out and that's a way for you to provide value so mm -hmm. i always whenever I, I share things as well or when i when i write for my newsletter or my blog like i often look for things that take work and effort or have a hurdle that i need to jump over um, but that tells me that it's um, it's something unique and valuable for others yeah exactly um, and so often, you know, people like talk about content creation uh, to build a personal brand. And for me, that, that's one thing, you know, uh, so I get, do you know, Justin Welch, you know, this guy? Yeah. So he, he created his own kind of a company and he's really focusing on personal branding for executives and also helping startups uh, grow to 50 million AR. And, um, you know, when, you know, for me, I was like, okay, all these people putting content, not interesting. That's not for me. I'm not a content guy. I don't like to, to do that. I, I, I did this kind of LinkedIn playbook and I was like, okay, that's super smart. You know, it's, it makes so much more sense seeing this approach. But often, you know, what I've seen is using just content for personal brand is something that is good if you have your own company. But if you are employed by someone uh, who pays your, your salary and you build a personal brand, that can be like a that can do a conflict, you know, can be a conflict of interest. So what I, I think is more important is to build something content that generates meetings, you know, like opportunities and, you know, building a personal brand would be simply a byproduct of it. Um, so what's your opinion on that? And, and how do you, you know, you would, you would suggest someone to actually build content without having in conflict with uh, her or his employer? But I strongly agree with the notion of a personal brand being a byproduct. Mm -hmm. If you just try to build a personal brand for a branding's sake, then it come it, it doesn't come across well, right? But if 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 you do other things that are helpful or valuable, and then the personal brand is an, an a side outcome of that, then you're doing it right. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's I think sure there is a notion um, or there is the importance of um, actually getting results with your personal branding, right? Especially if you're a sales rep, you want to have meetings, you need 
like to to work off that pipeline and so it's not just for fun and followers right you need the the hardcore results and i think there are a couple of ways to go about that um one that i really like is to just mix the things that you share uh, for example on social media to make sure that sometimes you address something that's a bit more abstract um and then other times you just really um keep pounding on these problems that your target audience has and the solution right so um, when we talk about, when we go back to this example of, um, Instagram, right? Like the, the problem, for example, would be that, um, your target audience wants to, wants to share their photos uh, quickly with their friends. Let's just pretend mm-hmm. that's the case. Right. Yeah. Um, so you could, you know, uh, on one day share something about how hard it is these days and, uh, why that's so important and how there's no good solution. And then the other day you could share something about how Instagram does that really well and uh, show this video how you do that in a couple of seconds, for example. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, what I mean by mixing your content in terms of um, addressing the problem and then addressing the solution. And I think when you, as soon as you address the solution, you have a good hook or a good entry point to then uh, promote your product more often or to say, hey, why don't you schedule a meeting with me? Um, and you make it really easy for people to, um, to, to get in touch with you mm-hmm. and uh, maybe get a little demo of the product. Okay. Okay, I see. I see. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I think it's it's you know it's it's a it's a balance to find you know between your your you know your kind of like personal story, and also what the the market you know the people you're selling to, are kind of facing. So so I think it's it's something to to work on and make sure that that's valuable. And I mean, in your case, for example, because you you are you know you you are uh, VP SEO and content at G two. Uh, does it happen that when you build content, it actually generates leads directly for G2? Or how does it work for you as a, as a VP there? Well, I am situated much more at the top of the funnel, right? So I don't mm-hmm. necessarily, for example, like a, a cool approach would be you share something as a sales rep, you see somebody engages in the comments all the time, then you could mm-hmm. comment to that person, hey, why don't we get in touch? Or why don't we talk about this? Why don't we have a quick conversation, right? That's kind of your entry point for something yeah. like a demo or, or a prospect conversation. For me, that's not really how it works. So I think I create much more awareness for G2. Um, I, and, and then uh, I funnel that pipeline over to our sales team. Mm-hmm. And I also funnel that over to our content. We have some content partnerships as well. Um, so our guest posts. Um, so, you know, for me, it's much more about the marketing angle than the sales angle and getting people to interact with our content, share our content and potentially become a content partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, that's, that's a touch point for sales then to, to, um, uh, to get in touch with the people. So I don't directly okay. build pipeline. I much more lead people to the content that builds the pipeline. Okay. Okay. I see. I see. Um, and so, so there's one thing also that I've observed is like, uh, um, a lot of time people are uh, afraid of being out there just like of posting ideas and and it comes back to i don't know being different it's crazy how as adults would behave like kids because you know if you're in a sales team and you start posting content your colleagues would be oh what is what are you doing and so how do you get over this fear of uh, being judged by your peers yeah it's tough it's tough because um i think some people don't have that issue but most people do i'm definitely a person who um, did struggle with that in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, but I'm also a person like I know myself and I know that if I just push through that initial 
uh, awkwardness or weirdness, I, I come out well at the end because I've done that many times, mm-hmm. right? I've done that yeah. with uh, social media. I've done that with blogging. I'm doing it right now with more video and podcasts. And uh, I also struggle putting something out that is not absolutely perfect, but it's something that I had to push myself mm-hmm. out of. So just know that there is going to be that initial phase of awkwardness. It usually just takes you five pieces of content and then you kind mm-hmm. of get in the rhythm. Um, and that's hard to push back, right? So the earlier you get over it, the the faster you can get good and you can you can get you know better. Uh, and so I just recommend you to start, like understand that the first five times are going to be super awkward. Embrace it, uh, try to make the best out of it, and then you're good, right? Especially yeah. when colleagues come around and um, you know uh, um, I don't want to say judge you for it, but uh, give you give you response to that that's maybe not super encouraging, like the best thing that you can do is blend it out. And to be honest, I think as a good salesperson, that's a, that's a great skill to have, you know, to deal with rejection, to deal with people, maybe not hundred percent liking what you do. Yeah. That's okay. You know, like that's their experience. Yeah. That's their reaction. Uh, yeah. But if you're here to, to achieve a goal, you're here to build your personal brand. You're here to, you know, to, to, um, to, to build that pipeline or uh, close deals and, uh, if you know if that's a great way to get there, then you got to find a way to get over that initial hunch of awkwardness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's the same with the video prospecting or voicemail. Like people, you know, people often they they they, they see that and they're like, "Wow, that's really nice." And then when they want to do it, you know, often I've actually done that. I've shared a sequence, you know, on LinkedIn that works really well. It's fifty-five percent answer rate and twenty-five percent booking rate. Uh, which is huge and, and in five you know you get five touch points it's, it's like super fast to do so you get like a lot of, uh, of meetings with that and it just relies heavily on voicemails and uh, using vdr or video perspective and so often you know i share that as people did use it and they're like i was contemplating doing that but you know i feel awkward sending a voicemail and so um so that that's one thing you know a lot of people are, are kind of uh of stuck there and so, yeah, I think the best way to get rid of that is just go, you know, and you think about what's the worst that could happen. The worst that could happen is that people will not answer. And by the way, that's most likely what's going to happen. You know, if you just like uh, don't do anything, you know, that, that's, that's what's going to happen anyway. So I think it's just, you know, shipping voicemails. It's a pattern interrupt. People see like this blue line on LinkedIn. and like, what is this thing? They click on it and then they at least listen to what you have to say. And that's something, you know, often, I don't know if it's the case for you, you're a VP, man, that must be a nightmare. VP for G2, you must be receiving so much, so many prospection emails that you don't even read them, you know? <laughs> so it's, uh, so, so yeah, I think it's just the fact of, you know, having this pattern interrupt of sending a voicemail on LinkedIn is, is just, you could say bullshit in there. People would at least pay attention, which is what matters in there. So that's absolutely true. And yeah, I get a huge ton of like prospect emails and most of those are never open. Um, but you know, you get better over time. The idea of starting and being good from scratch is unrealistic. Nobody is yeah. like that. Everybody learns on the fly. So the faster you get your car in the street, the, the better you can, or the faster you can learn how to drive it. Um, so th- that's, I think that's super important uh, to realize that it's a game of iteration over time. Nothing start with perfectly. And mm-hmm. at the same time, if you really focus on providing value and helping people out there, then there's nothing to be ashamed about. You know, everybody yeah. who shames you or judges you for helping others, you 
want to learn how to blend those people out because those you yeah. know that's that's like a hashtag life advice at this point you know like those people will never <laughs> help you so uh focus on being helpful and and you know that will make this start much much easier yeah yeah exactly and so uh so as you, you're from germany so you you are you you kind of ha you were at search metrics i think there uh you you were like uh, you worked in a bunch of companies there and then in the u.s so you've seen you've seen both uh, both kind of cultures in terms of contact, uh, apart the language, like what's the difference, you know, between the U.S. driven, I mean, the U.S. focused content and the German focused content? Yeah, Germany. The way that you know sales works in Germany, and uh, you know, to to take a step back and provide the context here, um, I saw that firsthand, as you mentioned, at some agencies, but also at Search mm -hmm. Metrics, where um, I was uh, an integral part of building the the um, professional services team and the sales team in the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was lucky to be sent over to the Silicon Valley and I was working very closely with sales there. And so I firsthand saw the challenges and the differences between selling in Europe versus selling in the US. And mm -hmm. the two are very different. So as a German, you know, like in, in Germany, it's all about how well does this product work? What does it do and what can I do with it? In the US, it's all about what does this product give me? Like, who am I when I'm buying this? What's, what does it do to my identity? It's all about yeah. signaling. So the example that I love to use is in Germany, it's often like, if you say you want to sell a car, right? And you're a sales rep for a car. And then you would say, hey, in Germany, like, this is the best car. Look at the engine and how nice the parts are. And we have those very specific parts. They're like handmade here in Germany and they work really well, blah, 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 blah. In the US, it's like, hey, this is the best car. It takes you from A to B the fastest. Boom. It's all about value, 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 value. Whereas in, in Europe, it's much more about the parts and components and what does it do. That's yeah. super important uh, to realize. I've seen so many German companies uh, fail in sales to the US because to them, selling on value is too salesy and too, too mm -hmm. fluffy. But here in the US, you know, people, it's, it's not necessarily about having the best parts or the best whatever. It's about the identity, it's about the signal, and it's about the, the, the value that it provides for the company. Yeah. How it does that is not the most important thing. Whereas in Germany, you know, Germans, we, we're like engineers, you know, we're, yeah. uh, we're, we want to be efficient. So we want to understand, like, how does it actually do that? We want to question the functionality. Yeah. In the U.S., you know, people just want to know what's the value that it gives. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's something I've observed a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would think also everywhere in the world, people really want to, uh, it has, you know, you have the most impact if you're actually selling on value. So what's the problem you're solving? Like if you have a hundred million euro problem, I can make a small, you know, impact in that. I can fix 10 million of that. So I can maybe sell you at something at 1 million. That would be, you know, but like often what I've seen is in Europe, people don't really, I mean, in the US also, it's like very rarely I've seen that, but people will actually talk about features, what they do, me, 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 they will just talk about that. And, uh, you know, if you, if you have someone who's like super excited about it in front of you, it's often great, but it's often a sign that they are, maybe not making good like decision makers uh, and they are often just you know like uh, i'd say users you know and not really decision makers so i think that that's uh, that's something i've observed a lot i've sold a lot in france and one thing i've seen is like if you use this technique that you have in the us of selling with value of like discovery you know and and, and finding a pain and then like solving it i think it's uh, it's insanely powerful because no one else does it you know everyone goes with the the kind of uh, european playbook basically yeah, that's, that's the biggest touch point between sales and marketing that I see is that both sales and marketing apply to the future 
value that a product provides or the value yeah. that the product provides to make you something. So it could yeah. be, you know, it's, it's not just about a product that, for example, helps your company to become, to scale from 1 million to 100 million, right? It's the question, what does it feel like to be a $100 million company? What does it feel like to be a company that could go public because they invested in that product? That's yeah. what you're trying to sell. That kind of feeling, that idea, that kind of vision, at least here in the U.S., you know. Um, so it, even if it's not $100 million, you know, that doesn't matter. But the question at the end of the day is what changes for you as the buyer when you mm -hmm. buy that product, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whereas you mentioned, you know, in, in, in Germany and Europe, it's much more about why is that product really better than the others? Like what yeah. does it do so much better? It's much less vision and future driven, uh, which is a cultural differences that yeah. salespeople need to navigate and juggle. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And um, I think we... we so we're nearing the, the end of the of the of our time to talk. We'll open that to, to Q and A. I'd be curious to know if this one advice you would give to our audience. So our audience is mostly people who are in sales, uh, either practitioners or managing teams, but maybe focus on the tactical things of our practitioners. What would be the, the, the your tip for them? Yeah, so a couple of tips. Um, one of them, just uh, you know, uh, because we're on LinkedIn Live, I, I want to highlight that LinkedIn Live currently gets a huge reach. Uh, you, you can attract a lot of people. So whenever you dare and whenever you feel like you're ready for this, try to, to leverage LinkedIn Live. Just in general, video, audio, always better than written content. And I say that as somebody who loves to write, uh, mm -hmm. but that's just the reality. Like our whole world goes more towards uh, videos and images. And the second piece of, of content that I have is to talk to your customers or prospects. Try to find someone who you feel, who feels really comfortable talking to you. Mm -hmm. um, and like figure out what the recurring questions are you know i'm sure that if you had a couple calls like or after your first 100 you know uh, cold calls you'll have a good idea of what people actually care about and what not and then mm -hmm. i would tone my content down to that um there could be a question about the product it could be a general question in the industry you want to identify the core questions of your target audience and then the last one is to really highlight because we're in a crisis right now because there is a recession um, you really want to highlight value as we, like this is probably the word that we said the, the, you know, like a billion times in this conversation already, but you want to highlight the product value and you want to make sure that people perceive it as something that is must-have and not yeah. nice to have. Yeah. And you want to highlight the durability of the product. People will, like sales cycles are going to be longer right now mm -hmm. and people will critically evaluate the durability of the product. They have the feeling that it's just like a, uh, you know, like a short-term thing that doesn't provide them value over the long-term, then they will not buy. So make mm -hmm. sure you highlight value of must-haveness and that you highlight the durability of your product. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks. No, we didn't have one. We had three advice. That's perfect. Even better. <laughs> so 300% more value. Um, <laughs> so now you've deserved it. What do you want to talk about? You can shamelessly plug anything you want. Uh, that's your time. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, we talked about 300% value. Uh, the only thing that I really want to pitch is that I have this newsletter, which used to be free until recently and mm -hmm. still is free. Uh, but I added a paid tier. Uh, and so now instead of one weekly episode, you get three weekly episodes for $5 a month. The tech, okay. uh, the newsletter is called tech bound. Uh, you, you can just Google that and you should find it right away. Um, or you go to my blog, kevin-indic.com. Uh, and you can find it there. Check it out. 
uh, again, like there's a, a free component of like one weekly episode. It's a, um, it, it comes with a curation of articles as we've spoken about before. Uh, and I try to mm-hmm. summarize and highlight the, uh, the biggest points of the articles. And I usually write an essay before that. Um, or you can pay five bucks a month, uh, which is the value of like a Starbucks coffee to get three episodes per week and really stay up to date with all the stuff that's uh, going on in the whole world of inbound marketing, SEO and Google. Okay. So I've dropped the, the comments, like the newsletter uh, link in the chat uh, and also on the comments on LinkedIn. So just go and check it. I've actually checked the, you know, like the, the, the content you're putting out there. Kevin has like tons of great resources, like great videos, interviews. And, and so if you want to understand about SEO content, marketing, and, uh, you know, for, for me, it's the thing is marketing. It sounds a lot like uh, user research. That's what I've learned at uh, university. I was like, oh my God, I hate that. <laughs> and actually marketing is super important and SEO and content are just like super key. And so Kevin is a really good resource if you need that. So I really invite you to go and check this newsletter and also like the free ungated content. And uh, if you've done your job properly, people should want to have more and, uh, and pay for the $5, uh, five uh, dollar subscription. Basically. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So um, now we're going to jump for questions. We have like another, you know, 15 minutes available for that. We already have two questions. So everyone, if you have questions, just drop them uh, on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn Live, drop them in the comments. We'll answer them. If you're on the chat, like on the Zoom, uh, you can, you know, either raise your hand or, you know, drop the question in the chat and we'll be happy to answer them. So the first one, Kevin, is from Laura Maria uh, Horn from MacCost, which is like a nice company doing uh, food delivery in Germany. So is there a way to follow all the conversation without spending a lot of hours on LinkedIn and getting kind of lost? Uh, advices for more time-saving way. So I don't even know exactly what she means there. Uh, let me check. Laura Maria, is there a way to follow all the conversation? Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what to answer <laughs> to that? I don't even know your answers understand the question. But first of all, I'm very glad, uh, grateful for the question. Uh, so thank you for that, Laura. Uh, I do assume that you just you try to find ways to to find conversations faster than following people or skimming through their comments. There, that there is some merit to doing that. But I would also recommend you to just use the hashtags. Um, people with the largest following usually know to add hashtags to their posts. And so if you just search for uh, a hashtag marketing or sales or uh, whatever industry you're in, maybe it's something like hashtag food or food delivery or something in those realms. Um, I would look for those and then see what are the trending um, posts and then look in the comments of those posts. Um, and I think even if you just invest 15 minutes a day into that and start to get into a daily routine, um, that's almost two hours per week. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it starts to add up over time. It starts to compound yeah. and that's how I would, how I would go about it. Okay. Okay, yeah, the hashtag thing is, a, it's kind of a SEO thing, you know, where you see how which keywords are trending and then it drives a bit, uh, you know, how you answer, you know, how you drive your content, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can do the same on Twitter, by the way. So depending on what your target audience is, uh, Twitter might be a much, much better uh, platform, at least for journalism, marketers, and so on. But yeah, you can just use the uh, LinkedIn search field on the upper left. And you can type in hashtag sales or hashtag marketing, and you'll find all the trending uh, posts. And you can also follow that hashtag to make it easier to find the uh, trending posts on a daily basis. Okay. Okay, good. So we have a question here from Pravina. Uh, 
so I follow a leader from the industry with Cell2. Recently, he published an article in LinkedIn and he was very insightful. Let me understand his job, role, and challenges. I want to know from you whether it's advisable to quote him and write a post about what I feel. Would that make me as someone creepy and wanting for attention? <laughs> uh, th thanks for that question as well, uh, Pravina. And I, I don't think you come across creepy at all. I think the opposite is probably more the case. Um, if you take someone's content and quote it and add your personal views and opinions and uh, ob observations to it, I think that's very flat flattering. I think that's a, a compliment to that person. And I'm pretty sure you'll also get the attention of that person. So I don't think it's creepy at all. I think it's it's more of a compliment. And I, if I was you, I would uh, totally uh, um, I would totally do that and follow through with it. Maybe even reach out to that person and be like, hey, or tag that person on that post, right? And, and be like, hey, look, I, this is my observation. What do you think? Yeah. And you know, I think it's, uh, um, it's always great to be, you know, whenever you put something, some piece of content out there and people quote you, it's always a great feeling. So uh, uh, most of the time you can't go wrong. You know, it's, it's, uh, um, people will appreciate that. And uh, it's uh, much better to do it this way than just to hide it. And then they figure out that you, you know, it's, it's, you didn't quote them. I mean, you didn't mention them. So, so I think it's, it's really, it's actually a great way to get in touch. So if you, one thing I, I tip I give to, to people I train is whenever you want to reach out to a, a decision, another decision a, a thought leader, someone who has a strong influence in your industry, one of the best way to do that is to actually um, kind of like use their content, uh, like code this content, and then expand their reach to your network. Even if your network is not that big, the fact of commenting on their post or quoting them, you know, linking to them, their LinkedIn profile will actually build so much credibility for them. And even if you just have a few hundred people following them, they'll be grateful for that because your audience will see them and then they will win a bunch of followers. And that's in general how you can provide value to these people. And often, if they are there thought leading, basically, it means they are very happy to have free exposure. That's, that's what they're after, basically. 100%. And one more thing that I didn't mention yet that's very important to me because I see it over and over and over again. Do not just blindly send a request to people or connect with people. And then when they accept your request, immediately pitch them something. That is the death wish of LinkedIn. Do not do that. Do not be that person. That's like whenever people do that, I immediately go to their profile and remove the connection. I will never accept it again. Yeah. And whatever they do, that relationship is burned for life. <laughs> so of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you get the point here. Try to get their attention organically. Tagging them in a post or mentioning them in a comment is much more fruitful than just like cold connection and then pitch. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And uh, there's one thing you can do, I, I think, in that is there's a small, you can either connect with someone or follow them. So one good way is to follow them. So you see their content, you can, you know, interact with it, and then you connect with them. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it shows like your intent, it shows that, okay, you know, if you see someone following you, and then one week after this person is connecting, you know, it, it's a lot easier to accept as a thought leader. And so I think it's, uh, it's always putting yourself in the shoes of the person receiving that. And you know, I receive a lot of uh, also a lot of people who are pitching. They they add me and then they're like, "Hey, how are you doing? Do you want to buy some software uh, development team in Ukraine?" I'm like, no, I'm sorry, it's fine. I don't need the software development. So it's uh, yeah, important to to do that. Yeah, good. So I think we don't have any more question. Um, 
So yeah, I'd like to thank you very much, Kevin, for uh, joining this uh, LinkedIn Live. I think it went well, no technical glitch or whatever. So pretty happy about that. And yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us. Yeah, I'm pumped to hear that, uh, Thibault. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. It was a huge pleasure. Uh, and thanks for all the questions out there and for, for the people tuning in. Okay, cool. Thanks, Kevin. Bye. Take care. Bye.